Hi everyone, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is the Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat not required. This week, we're bringing you a guest who has listened to every episode of the Dapper Meeple in only two days. Preston is the manager of the local games workshop. He's coming in to talk to us about his experience in the gaming community, wargaming, RPGs, and just to have a lot of laughs. So settle back and enjoy this episode of the Dapper Meeple. All right, so we are back for the second time. We are actually fortunate enough to have somebody come in and talk with us. Um, we've talked about this before this year. We definitely want to have more people. We're a couple of, you know, cis, straight white guys. Um, our view on the gaming community is always going to be limited by that. Like, we're only going to learn so much. So we always like to bring people in. Um, we like to bring people in that are playing something different. You know, it's uh, you know, reaching out to the community where we believe that anybody should have a seat at the table, regardless of what the table is. Yeah, absolutely. It's one thing that we talk about quite often here is that um, this hobby is really something that can reach everybody, no matter who they are, where they come from, or where they find themselves in life. They can sit down at a table and have a good time. Um, and one of the areas that we talked about a lot that is kind of our blind spot is wargaming. So our guest today is, um, I guess you kind of call a specialist in that department, definitely somebody who has a whole lot more experience than we do, uh, but we wanted to bring him on, kind of talk about that, and just, you know, talk about general gaming stuff. Cool, and with uh, no further ado, let me introduce Preston to the audience. How is it going? This is, I don't know, do I say audience? Like, <laughs> like there's not a lot of them yet, That's but, fair, you but know? when they come back and watch this later, and they're listening to it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. for all the, the millions that are listening right now, <laughs> that's me, I'm the guy. Awesome. Um, so I ran into Preston. Um, uh, he works the local games workshop. Indeed, um, indeed. And is just a absolute wealth of knowledge on uh, the subject. Oh, I appreciate that. I know nothing. This is all a ruse, <laughs> and I have cliff notes everywhere I go. Uh, I will tell you, he's probably the reason that I own as many paints as I do now, because um, yeah. I have gotten a ton of them and more to come. I was going to say, and it's not even. <laughs> I'm looking at like I'm looking at finding a rack to keep them all in now because oh, yeah. I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I don't even remember what color I bought last week. I believe it. <laughs> so that's all my thing. Um. But on top of that, man, I'm uh, the big thing, and just real quick, um, we're going to talk about here in a second. Um, like, not here for the workshop, not here for work or anything. You're here because um, this is what we do, and like the people that have listened to us know that, like, we love gaming in you know most of its facets. Um, there's a couple things every now and then, uh, like uh, what was it, tiny towns? Tiny towns uh, will start a fight. Yeah. Fuck tiny towns. Yeah, <laughs> um, you heard it here first. But. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck tiny it's, towns. It's a, it's a great game and all. It was really the experience around it. That's fair. <laughs> but that's what you know. That's what I wanted you to come on for, man. Like, sure. um, I want that experience. I want other people to come on and talk to us um, about what they do, about what they love. Like, you know, the passion for this, and even when we just kind of been BSing when I'm coming in and stuff. There's always been like this love and appreciation for what you do, and oh yeah, the rest of the geek world. So. Um, so yeah, that's why uh, he's in here with us today. I guess let's start with, um, like, what started you into gaming? Like, where did you first start from? Um, well, I guess to preface first, just like we were, yes, I am. So yeah, I am the current manager of Games Workshop Hilltop East uh, here in Virginia Beach. 
Um, but anything I say for the most part, I am off the clock. <laughs> you know, this has nothing to do with the company. My views are my own, uh, irrespective of the company at large. And anything I say is my own beliefs and does not reflect uh, the views views of the company. Got hundred percent. Now cool. with the legal jargon out of the way, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, I guess what started me in wargaming was when I was a was a kid. There was we were in high school. Uh, me and my four closest friends in high school. So if they ended up listening to this too, you, we all need to hang out soon, right? <laughs> it right. has been way too long, but um, we hey, all we have a table. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we just come down to Virginia Beach. We're gonna hang out with these guys, do another podcast. <laughs> I'll be a recurring guest. It'll work. Yeah, <laughs> let's hey, do that'd it. Be fine. Um, no, so we used to go and we played magic. So I guess that's where it all started. Okay. It was of course it does right. Everybody starts uh, yep. with cardboard magic. crack. That's yep. how they get you. So, <laughs> uh, my best friend in high school's name's Justin. He was playing magic as as a kid. That was his main jam. Like right. he was, he is still Guru Gami Sensei <laughs> in all things magic. Um, but he, we became fast friends at school, and he was like, "Hey, I want to show you this hobby I'm into. It's called magic." And we we played all the time. Got in trouble in class for playing. Uh, lunch table. It, it became. You know, again, right. the crack. It was the obsession. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Yep. The coolest thing ever. So as we got deeper into that, we found that, um, well, he brought it up one day for us to actually branch out because we all had our own decks and we all play against each other. But he was like, hey, we should go to like an F&M or, you know, or do a draft or something. And right. I had no idea what this was. So we was like, yeah, let's do it. We all just got our learner's permits and we're like, yeah, let's <laughs> let's hit it. <laughs> so we found a store. Uh, I'm originally from a town two and a half hours away here called Tappahannock. Okay, yeah. And okay. so outside of Tappahannock, our closest game store was Jersey's Cards and Comics in Gloucester. Yeah. Yep. So we pretty much uh, made it an effort every Friday night for us to scrounge up what you know little cash we had to go and play in an FNM. And uh, at that time in 2000 and... Oh, God. <laughs> 2010? <laughs> this is where you start dating yourself. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> sure, we're getting too old here. Uh, but yeah, 2010 or 2011, I think, is when we... Uh, we were like sophomores or juniors in high school, and we would make our trip down to Jersey's, and we met uh, the guy who was there at first. His name was John. Okay. I don't know if he's still there. If you are John, I'm sorry I haven't seen you. Uh, <laughs> life happens. Right, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so John was super nice, though. He was a very, like, that's where I learned, I guess, my first kind of semi-adult experience with being on my own and introducing myself with, like, customer service. Sure. He mm -hmm. was very passionate about his store it was small super small um but he had enough tables in there to run you know an fnm or or an event here and there that kind of thing yeah. and he had like two tables in the back for warhammer because he had some warhammer stuff like in the back right so it's kind of like a dirty secret it's like everybody come play magic but i got models <laughs> I've, seen I've seen those stories yeah. actually <laughs> you know? it's almost like they got the beaded curtain you gotta go through yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, hey, it's like, well, there's some Warhammer. You know? yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it was great. And he was super welcoming. And even though we were kids, we had this kind of, you know, stigma that it's like, oh, where we go, we're going to get kind of like treated like shit because we're, you know, teenagers. Sure. But he nothing was like that. We were super welcoming by the community. They loved having us there. They actually we were good enough to start like winning against some of the adults there. So nice. they said that we were the prodigies. OK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so every time <laughs> they came through, we were doing stuff. So it was cool. So that's kind of where my first going to a store with friends to do nerd stuff right. started. Mm -hmm. um, I had Warhammer models as a kid, though. And that's where it, this kind of stories kind of evolve, right? So right. Um, I always knew about nerd stuff. And it was during that time of us growing up, 
it was like you know we got beat up for stuff like that. i was gonna say like yes how much like how much of the geek side were you into before the- oh all of it yeah but it was hardcore bullying though like, oh yeah like, right like yeah. fights like i grew up getting the shit beat out of <laughs> for liking spider-man and star wars and you know all that stuff that you think is super rad i was gonna say go ahead yeah, yeah all the stuff that people are making billions of dollars off of now so much money right <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting the dog shit kicked out of us at school because i think luke skywalker's rad like <laughs> it's so messed up but there was um there was a thrift st- like a thrift store or like a yard sale that i had gone to as a kid and i picked up a box of their warhammer models uh from what's called warhammer fantasy okay which were called tomb kings and they were um like egyptian skeleton undead uh, pharaoh army style kind of thing so okay. it's really okay, cool yeah, aesthetic yeah, yeah. i was like what are these sphinxes with these sickle swords but they're like a flesh column off i was like what is this so for like two dollars and fifty cents i got like two boxes because they didn't know what nice. they had nice and i had no glue no hobby experience whatsoever and i was like eight right so right. i asked an adult like you should <laughs> especially if you are an adult go get another one um <laughs> to of how to put these together so it was like with super glue and some kind of like bondo that we had at the house because my parents didn't know what it was either they right. were like yeah we'll just slap them in they looked horrible but i loved them <laughs> something happened in a move and they got lost but i always remembered them and thought that you know warhammer was cool but i didn't know what it was just yet so fast yeah. forward doing magic right with my friends in high school and more and more i kept seeing i was like oh warhammer's in the corner what is that like what is that i don't know like it's always that stigma of like, I don't know what that is, but I have these ideas because yeah, I've seen yeah. stuff or I've heard mm-hmm. things. Um, and you're, it's always curious, right? Unless anybody comes and tells you what it is, you're almost just like, that's the drugs that we don't do. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's the step too far. You've yeah. seen the people that take those. Right. Yeah. 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 I've seen what they are. <laughs> Mom told me I'm better than that. <laughs> but... um. So, yeah, so fast forward, and I'm going to college down here in Virginia Beach. I went to Regent University. Okay, um, yeah. And as I'm going to college, I met more nerdy friends in college. And I was like, oh, this is kind of awesome. Like, you know, there's more people like me actually out in the world. Right. This is yep. dope. Yep. And um, so getting into, like, going to conventions and doing cosplay and stuff, and this was my college experience was not the typical one, but still very fun. Um, and we're doing all that. And then somebody was like, hey, if you want to make some money after we're about to graduate and after we're about to leave, um why don't you come work at my local store that i go to where i play vanguard this is my friend kelly so she's listening too hey shout out to you nice nice (laughs) but uh she was playing this card game called vanguard okay yeah and it was very um i wouldn't say it's very magic-esque but it's another card battling game i guess you would say but it's a it's a japanese one okay um so she was like hey come to the store they have magic there maybe you'll like it and that was atlantis so that was atlantis in norfolk so that was my first experience in like a large store totally dedicated to you know uh nerdism i was gonna say the hobbies mm-hmm. all of them though like all the card games Yu-Gi-Oh, magic uh vanguard force of will they had a whole bunch of board games i was blown away yeah, yeah walking yeah, yeah. in there you're like oh shit these people take it for real for yeah me. like <laughs> they're serious like, <laughs> yeah this is crazy and i fell in love immediately I just wanted to keep going and just like do do more stuff and i had no money yeah <laughs> so i was like well i gotta make money to do the stuff um so then fast forward, and that's how actually how I ended up working there originally. Okay, yeah, was yeah, yeah. they needed a magic person at the time, um, and they really had no magic expert. And I was like, well, that's all I got. <laughs> like, that's, that like, is, this, play, this was made just for me yeah, right now. Yeah. This is where I belong. When somebody handed me a sheet and said, what are you good at? And I said, not dying and magic. That's, <laughs> that was the end of the list. <laughs> so 
Um, they ended up, I got hired, you know, thank God. I, I lied my way through uh, acting like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> and just fake it till you make it, yep, right? Absolutely. But um, yeah, so, but then to answer your original question, um, as I started working there, I was just, like I said, I just started as their like magic guy for the most part. So um, helping people get magic decks started, helping people find singles, um, helping people navigate their way through new sets that were coming out and right. running some events at the store, like running a modern uh, they had modern every Wednesday at the time, and it was like standard every Friday with draft every Friday too. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. and then commander was all over the place. Um, so after that, now I'm in a store where they also sold Warhammer, but in a very large quantity. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, they've always <laughs> kind of had a good chunk back in that corner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be out in the middle of the floor actually, so they've changed up how the store looks since I've been there last. But um, it used to be they had a, uh, I guess you would call it like a six bay shelf. On okay. double side. So one side was totally dedicated to the fantasy version of Warhammer, and the other side was dedicated to uh, Warhammer 40,000, which is the science fiction version. Right. But then they also had, like, War Machine and uh, Wild West Exodus and Malifaux, and these are all other war games. Right, right. That were, like, flanking the Warhammer aisle. So it's like Warhammer was the core, <laughs> you know, to get people there. But they're like, ooh, what's this? Or, ooh, what's that? And what are people doing on Saturdays? What <laughs> yeah, is this right. thing? <laughs> so... It was all this wargaming stuff, and I was making new friends just working there and customers and that kind of stuff. And they were telling me, they're like, hey, you play Magic. How about you put that stuff away <laughs> and try this thing that I love? And I'm like, cool. Well, I got money now. And, you know, discount helps when you work for a company. Right, so, right, right. So right. I was like, yeah, I'll get into it. And the first war game that I got into as an adult was actually not even Warhammer. It was War Machine from Privateer Press. Okay. Um, is that the one with the tanks? Like, is it the World War II one? Is that that, that's Conflict 47. Okay. Or Flames of War, depending on which one. Which one I'm looking at? Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, uh, me and a, a buddy of mine who I met as a customer, who is now my best friend, or basically family, his name's Richard, he came in off of a deployment one day, and I'm working in the store. And I had just been into War Machine with a few other friends for, like, maybe two weeks. Right, tops. right. Hadn't even painted a model yet. Only just slapped him together and was learning the rules to play. So a real everybody's real hype. But he comes in and he's like, hey, me and my wife want to get into a miniature style game. But we, we don't know what we want to get into. Right. Can you help us? And it was a blast. He was super funny. Very animated. Uh, he's Cuban. So like he, he was loud. Right. <laughs> Everything was exciting. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So we're, we're, you know, shooting the shit and talking. And he's like, hey, man what do you think I should actually do now that you know me a little bit? And I'm like, I think you should not play this game. Because at the time, it was called um, Dust Tactics. First of all, if any Dust Tactics developers are listening, your game was fucking awful. <laughs> game shit. Your models suck. <laughs> like, the, your whole business plan, terrible. I hope you're doing well. But everything was awful. Hey, does this count as our negative review? I'm just yeah, curious. That's it. We got one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I'm the first one. Um. No, it was crazy. He he loved it because he was a um, he's big a history buff, but like military history. Sure. So yeah, he yeah, likes yeah. all the uh, romantic like World War Two stuff. Right. That's weird. Uniform guys do that stuff, and I don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with him. Got it. Yep. It's so cool, right? <laughs> but he so that was the aesthetic though of Dust Tactics was that it was a miniatures game that was said it was called Weird War. Okay. Uh, yeah. Where it's alternate history, basically, where um, the Germans make it past the end of the war. And the Japanese pull out and help them develop, like, I don't know, like, these weird, like, human-cyborg hybrids. And, like, they attach, like, tank missiles to bears for Russia and all kinds of crazy stuff. Right, because that's... 
every sci-fi Russia thing I see, that's exactly what happens. It's bears. It's a bear <laughs> with some kind of ungodly weapon. Every one of them. <laughs> every time. So it's like, so it had a cool aesthetic, and I could see why people were drawn to it. I just think that the rules at that time were all over the place. Sure. Yeah, they yeah. had tokens for things that didn't matter. They had stuff that didn't have tokens that super mattered. <laughs> so, and they were all over the place. Right, right. But he loved the aesthetic, and I was like, hey, put that down. That's the only time I think in my retail history I've ever told someone not to buy something. Yeah. Because yeah. I genuinely just didn't want them to waste their money and have a bad time. So I was like, hey, I'm playing this game now <laughs> that's called War Machine. You should try it because we're best friends now. <laughs> and I know how that goes. Me and Keith Baker had the same thing happen at PAX. There so. you go. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> but um, I handed him the box and it was uh, what they at their time it was called a two player starter box where okay. it had a basically what's called a zero point. Um, army on both sides because when you start adding points in war machine you start at zero and go up instead of starting i don't know at a certain point level and trying to trying to exceed it got it got it yeah um so it's two-player box for him and his wife and i was like hey you guys take this home build the models and when you're ready come back to the store and i'll try to run you through a demo well let's say maybe two days goes by (laughs) almost not even (laughs) wow i'm at the store he gives me a call and he says verbatim and correct me if i'm wrong richard when i see you again uh but he said hey bro are you working right now i was like yeah you called the store (laughs) i'm the guy that's here he's like hey well uh just stop doing that um you want to just come over (laughs) and i was like for for what he's like just show me how to play this game he's like i can't figure it out my wife's not helping me um he's like we got our models together but we have no fucking idea what we're doing yeah right and that was the first time i was like can i even do that i was like i'm well i guess i can i'm not really like you know beholden to anyone i was like yeah sure I'm, yeah absolutely i was like once i get off work today i'll i'll come over your house yeah right. random guy i just met and we hit it off really well <laughs> so so you're used to this kind of thing i have yeah, cool. yeah. 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 Yep. Done, <laughs> done it before <laughs> the president was said it's okay yeah i'm a veteran <laughs> So I end up doing that. I go, um, basically, I get off work. I, I hit him up and we cha- exchange phone numbers. And I'm like, hey, man, like, give me your address and I'll, I'll be on over. And ever since then, it's been what we call a beautiful friendship. Nice. <laughs> you nice. know, we went over there. Um, we had a blast. We were, our faces hurt from laughing so hard, um, putting the models together. And because he had a, a modeling background, he used to do the dioramas for the World War II planes. I was going to say, okay, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. So he was already really good at working with miniatures but he had never worked with i guess wargaming miniatures before so that was where the where the gap was i guess um but so yeah we were playing the game we're having a great time teaching everybody how to play and uh after that it just kind of blew up so like we started a league at the store because we really wanted people other people to play with us um start doing live demos he's now a regular at the store telling nice. people hey we play war machine it's super fun um and we had actually at our highest point i think we had Maybe, I want to say, like, 22 people in the league at one time. Um, He had grabbed a whole bunch of people from his command. He was in the Navy. Yep. And he was like, hey, uh, you know, you work with me. Uh, You're kind of cool, and I like you enough. Uh, You should play this game. (laughs) And and then everybody starts coming to the store. And and we're all actually friends now. That's the the greatest part. That's all. Like, eight of us out of those original, like, 20-some-odd people are really close friends. We hang out. We play D&D. We play Fate. We play war games. We do all of it together. Nice. So it turned out to be a really cool thing. Yeah, that's... We've talked about it before. Like some of some of the best friends that I have, I met sitting around a table. Yeah, like 100%. there's just there's yeah. just something about the gaming side of it where it's not just you're not just sitting around and playing you know Monopoly. You're not just sitting around and playing a game. Like there's an exchange that goes on. Yeah, you know, especially if you do get into the TTRPG types too, oh, where yeah. you're role playing. Like 
all of us got trauma and it's coming out on that table. Sure is, <laughs> right? And, sure is. Oh, like, man. I think we've been the best therapy for each other, you know, for it the most is, part. right? So, yeah. yeah. I always tell people I don't think that human beings play games to, to win. I think we play games to uh, interact with people on a more personal level. Absolutely. And because yeah. they're, the game is the median, then we don't have to stumble through awkward conversation just yeah. to hang out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've had that talk like several times here, and that's kind of why like like we do this because this is what we love. Yeah, of course. You know, and I mean, the people that we've met, um, I really, like my, my experiences do, do kind of trend towards the positive with people that I meet sitting around the table. Absolutely. Right. So, and that's, if you trend positive and you, you think positive about the game, then the internet and the world can't, can't bring you down out of things that you love. Yeah. That's the greatest part. Cause people will try a hundred percent. They will definitely try. <laughs> so what made you make the move over to Warhammer? I mean, are you, would you say right now you're probably with your war gaming is predominantly Warhammer or do you still play some, some of the others? Um, you know, so that's a, that is, that is a strange question only in that, I think we play things. I think board gamers are like that too, and even tabletop RPG people are like that. I think you shift between the things that you enjoy, and it depends on. I don't know, just like I guess where your tastes or where your your group's tastes have shifted, if they have. Yeah. Right. So we've uh, right now my personal group of friends that I was just talking about. We do predominantly play Warhammer now more than War Machine, but none of us got rid of our models. No, we still have them. Yeah, oh, we yeah, still yeah, have yeah. them, and. We might have to re-ingratiate ourselves with a rule set or something here and there. But if you are already in the world, it's not hard, I don't think, too hard to move between rule sets when you've played so many hours into yeah. a game. You yeah. know, That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So I think for right now, we to answer your question, um, we do play a lot of Warhammer, um, but we definitely have our War Machine stuff. There's other minis games that we're always looking into. Um, and I think it's whenever somebody brings up a topic like, hey, what do we want to do? on all of our match days off, we'll just play some fate or bring our Warhammer stuff or bring our magic or right, right. Where everybody's prepared depending on whose house we're going over. Gotcha. So gotcha. Real cool. That sounds awesome. Having a group like that that can shift. We have a D and D group that's played pretty regularly every week for three years now. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, intense. <laughs> I had ran a game for almost that long, actually. Until yeah. It like finally ended. But yeah, that's, that's a lot of work. Yeah, and then um, I have a, like a friend of mine that she runs a lot of. She's she's my consummate DM, Leslie. That's been on. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so we have some we have some shifting that goes on. But I did, like with the war gaming. Like I'm, I mean, everybody that's listening knows that I just got into this uh, packs uh, this year, um, and it was the kill team version of it. Right, right. And I, like, oh, I yeah. just I, they just offered me such a good deal. Um, he you said you got it half off because you did some laser tag. It was after your performance in the laser tag. That was really Whoa. what it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So they had this they had this little curtained off area and you could see like the lights and stuff going and stuff oh, about where they do like the concessions. And they're like, yeah, if you come over here and play, it's like $10 to get a ticket or something. If you were part, if you were a Warhammer Plus member or something, you get one for free. Oh, shit, man. So, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, right? I didn't even know what Warhammer Plus was. Exactly, so was like, right? Well, here's your 10 bucks. Nice. So they got me with like, yeah, go play over there. Play the laser tag, you know, and then they'll give you a ticket to come back, and it'll be fifty percent off. And it was the, uh, it was the one with the, uh, it's that one right there. Oh yeah, oh Octarius, Octarius, hell yeah, yeah. Octarius, man, Krieg, God, so, so cool, right? So we went over there and gave the thing, and they walked in like, all right, you, you know, like who wants to be like, you can either be Imperium or Orc, and I was just kind of like, I'm going Orc, so <laughs> I just feel like. <laughs> Oh, I felt yeah. like it fit, but they gave him like it looked like it looked like the Laz gun, right? Oh, really? Yeah. But, oh man! And it had like a sensor that you had to clip on to your uh, 
to your lanyard, and okay. that was you had clipped on the front and one clipped on the back of your lanyard. So that's how they could you know score hits and stuff. And it had like a button to reload, and the las gun reloaded really quickly. Oh man, look at that! Yeah, the orcs. I was given you know your typical orc gun, like oh your shooter. Yeah, yes. exactly. There's no way this damn thing would have worked in real life. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. But I believe <laughs> absolutely. So not. I was good. Yes, hundred percent. But it took longer to reload. It took like seven seconds to reload when you hit the button. <laughs> Dial ups faster, right? Jesus! You did, obviously, you didn't believe in that part. Yeah, you didn't right? believe hard yeah. enough. So I went into this. I'm thinking, all right, cool. Like we're in the middle of con. This is like day two of con, and uh, it was the Saturday. It was the big day, and I was like, all right, man. Like you played laser tag before. Absolutely. Don't get crazy. No, yeah. They're going to, if you lose, you still get the discount. A hundred. So, yeah, I'm just here for the time. Right. I'm here for a good time. And the timer went off, and I forgot all of that speech. Yep. (laughs) You were trying to kill. Oh, my God. I was destroying the Imperium. Oh, yeah. We won by a lot. I just want to. You want to put that out there for everybody? Yeah, right? And I'm walking out, like, I drenched, like, (laughs) Josh and uh, Marie were waiting for me when I came out, and they were just like, have fun? Like, I'm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you should have looked them dead in the face and said, it was an awful time. I'll never do it again. <laughs> I'm walking out. And I'm like, I'm getting my, like, ha, my 50% off coupon. And then the girl behind me who was Imperium walks out and they gave her one. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you didn't earn that. Yeah. Get your ass back in there. You lose the same amount of calories I did from my Fitbit and we'll talk. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I uh, so I got it, like, but I was like, I, like I've been interested in it for a while just because like the models and the lore behind it and everything was big for me. Like yeah. even with like Dungeons and Dragons, I think the thing that has kept me in as a D and D player has been the lore for years. Like Oh yeah. Like I'm a big Salvatore fan. As you should be. Yeah. Right? Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, his new books, uh, like the new one's coming out at the end of this year, but like last year he released one like at the end of the summer. Yeah. Um, which we might be going for, you know, hashtag hot drought summer number two. <laughs> I mean it didn't catch on the first it didn't time. Catch on the first time. Let's run it back again. <laughs> run it back one more time. But that was the stuff that I loved was the stories that came out of it yeah um so yeah you know, i'd walk past the warhammer booth and stuff and i'm like man it just looks like everything looks awesome it's and then the same thing yeah. yeah it's like i said that gilded curtain yeah you have no idea you kind of want to ask but you don't want your friends to see you kind of thing like <laughs> i don't know why it's a secret <laughs> the first the, the first experience i had with warhammer was somebody i don't remember who it was um it was after a D game and i think it was like it was one of my first D games it was third edition didn't know what i was doing yet and they were like, hey, what do you want to play? And I was like, I'm going to be this. And I was like, I think it's an elf. And they're like, all right, cool, be an elf. And we got to the point, and he's like, okay, describe yourself. And I described myself, and everybody goes, that's a dwarf. And I was like, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah. <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> call it whatever. Yeah. Um, Just don't call me late for dinner. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. The guy was like, hey, maybe you should read this book. And he gave me Gotrick and Felix. Oh, so good. Right? <laughs> what a great one. <laughs> I feel like you would enjoy this. And that was my first. And I didn't even put two and two together for the longest time yeah oh, that, that was a warhammer thing right oh fair looking, enough until i'm looking one day and i'm like oh that's the same thing look at that look at that um and it was just that that gritty dark i mean everything yeah everything's horrible yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are they're no good guys it's pretty bleak there's no good guys yeah yeah so that was my kind of my first experience with it um bringing that into it um so for i mean like us we're not like i said we were ttrpg board games like we were all over that, yeah, and video stuff. Do you feel like there's more of kind of like a like a barrier for people? Because I think what a lot of people see when they see wargaming is they see those massive tables of two thousand point armies. Oh yeah, yep. Um, and I think that I like I feel like that scares a lot of people away because they're like that looks like a lot of money, or that looks like a lot of time painting. 
It's so and and they're not wrong. Well, you know, <laughs> that, that's the I guess that's the the greatest part about it and the worst part about it at the same time is that wargaming is the only facet, at least in my in my time on this earth, that I've been into the hobby. Right, right. I've noticed that that is the only hobby where if other people are watching you do it and they don't know what they're looking at, it is one of the most intimidating things ever because they have it's their ignorance is paralyzing. Sure. They have no idea where to even start, but they see you having fun or they assume that you are. Right. Because why else would you be here doing this? So that's the that's the itch, right, that they can't scratch is that how do I have fun like them, but I don't also want to or they don't know what they don't want. Yeah. It's the weirdest right. part, right? Yeah. So, it, uh, yes, to answer your question, I think there is a stigma or an intimidation factor if you're in person. I'll say that. Um, the advent of the, of the internet and YouTube has made wargaming a lot more, uh, I guess I would say, new customer friendly or new person friendly. Sure. Because a lot of these companies, not just Games Workshop, but uh, Privateer Press does yeah. a really good job of uh, the people who make War Machine and Monster Apocalypse and uh, some of those other games. They put out a lot of YouTube channel stuff for free for people, like uh, painting classes or like uh, technique work and um, like lore introductions and stuff like that. They did do a lot of that to kind of soften the blow to let people know it's like, hey, you keep seeing our banners everywhere and you know kind of what we are, but this is actually it in a two to seven minute super digestible format. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's happened across the board too with like. TTRPGs. I mean, look at the way Dungeons and Dragons has just exploded over the past five years. Oh, yeah. Because people are finally able to see what it actually looks like to play Dungeons and Dragons. It's not like that old 8 bit sketch, you know, that they did where it's, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, Satan's game. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) people are actually able to see what it looks like. And I think that's a huge benefit for all gaming right now is that it's no longer something that happens if you know that guy who happens to have all the stuff. Correct. Like, Everybody now there are there are avenues to get into whatever you want. I know my first experience seeing like tabletop wargaming uh, was down in Greenville, South Carolina. There was a comic book shop and it was huge. The back whole back of the comic book store was wargaming tables. They had 12 of them back there, like full size, like huge tables. Each one was a different um, type of terrain and stuff. Oh, like, they're taking it super serious. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, like oh, yeah. the the owner, like that was his thing. So the whole half of the comic shop was all wargaming stuff, models, miniatures, everything you could ever want. And then they had that in the back, and then the rest of it was all just comic books and stuff. It, his store was basically the things he liked. Yeah, and that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Though. Yeah, but it, I mean, and we would go there like on a weekend or something. They'd run tournaments, and it would be slammed back in that back. I believe it. Um, and that's you'd walk over and you'd see, and there'd be dudes with like, I mean, the the table would be full of miniatures. Um, and then there would be like a bunch of dice being rolled all over the place. And I'm sitting there going, man, I don't have any idea where to even start with this, but yeah, that's, uh, I really do think the internet has made, um, really made avenues for people who, if you want to find out about something, if you want to get into a new hobby, if you just want to test the waters with it, like you can find like introductory stuff and just a couple of videos here and there to really help you get into it. Yeah. Um, I, I I wholeheartedly agree, Josh, because like there's there's a lot of, um, I guess, stigma early on. But let's say before right around YouTube time, but nobody's no businesses are really doing like big advertisement stuff yet. So I think it was like right at the end of uh, three for D&D, like 3.0 yeah, going yeah. into four. 
where there was like a massive like launch of like these commercials or like you would see things on TV where it's like, oh, check out D&D at your local hobby store. Yeah. And they would do like these plugs here and there and they weren't long. It was just like a flash of a poster. Right. And then they would have uh, Wizards of the Coast, you know, little logo at the bottom. And then people were like, oh, what's, you know, D&D, my grandma told me that D&D is a bunch of guys wearing Ku Klux Klan robes in someone's <laughs> basement and they're summoning the devil. Like, yeah. and, and then it's like, well, why are they showing this at a store for, and they have kids playing in the background yep. and you're like, that can't be Satan. There's kids. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> <laughs> little, did, little did we know they're really the worst. They are actually <laughs> Satan. Yeah, right. <laughs> we grew up pretty uh, strict uh, Baptist. Oh, yeah. Oh, you too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, fair enough. And I, I like when I was born, um, our our parents were really kind of young. They had just found uh, white baby Jesus um, <laughs> laying and, in someone's yard, yeah. and <laughs> so they were kind of new to it and stuff. But um, we were, we got like eleven years between us. Um, my parents were going to make sure this one turned out okay. I guess fair, yeah, you know? sure. <laughs> but yeah, like I, the only thing, like I said, we've talked about before. The only thing I remember when I was little about it was like I had a cousin who lived in Indianapolis. And he wore all black and never came out of his room. It's because he played D&D. And I was just like, oh, really? <laughs> Sounds horrific. Just because he rolled some dice, he is you are now a follower of chaos. <laughs> and I always loved it. They were always talking like, yeah, like it's just so horrible. They The players give their agency over to, you know, this the DM. And I'm like, you you have players that'll listen to a DM? Yeah. <laughs> Show me where, first yeah. of all, where's that group? Right. <laughs> Looking back now, after having played D&D, I'm like, Man, I'd actually love to play with that group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those devil worshippers are having a great time. You got a chalice? Got a <laughs> How much did you pay for that prop? Right? God. God, what was that saying from like it was like a Dateline NBC spot on like the dangers of D and D, like in like the nineties, where they said the uh, the path to hell is paved with D sixes, and you're like, like. Are you for real? Yeah, right. <laughs> First of all, any good gamer knows it'd be D fours, hundred percent. Yeah, right. <laughs> Those Second are- of all, <laughs> I used to have, I, I know I don't have it anymore, but I used to have the really well, a copy of that really well-known like Christian track that came out that was all about the people who were playing D&D and how it, they like gave their soul to the devil or whatever. Oh. I had a physical copy of it. I wish I knew what happened oh, to it. No. Oh my God. Now I want to find that just so I can frame it and hang it in the gay room. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't remember it. I mean, it was when I was super young when I was in one of those Christian schools. Um, but I remember getting it. I don't, I don't even remember where, but yeah. Uh, now look i like looked it up the other day because i guess i was feeling nostalgic i don't know yeah. um but i was like this is this is ridiculous how, how can anybody who's ever come anywhere close to like brushing the the outskirts of what the game actually is oh yeah would, would know that it's crazy right uh, yeah yeah that that part of it and like i said um my mother our mother moved in with me year ago year and a half ago now okay it's been a while i don't know we've we've had a rocky transition sometimes i get it yeah but yeah. uh but we do really well like we get along well and stuff but there were times where she would listen to us playing and stuff and she was like i heard you guys talking about like demons now granted i'm running like descent into avernus <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah well you can't not <laughs> right we're like wizards of the coast is like satanic pan- satanic pan- i'll show you a satanic panic we're going to the first level of hell no matter what baby <laughs> They were like, hey, if we're going to rip the Band-Aid off, it might as well be in one foul swoop right? and just do nothing but demons. So, yeah. Love it. So, I was like, no, it's, I mean, it's me and Josh. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, the closest thing we're getting to a demon is bad gas. Like, seriously. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm not uh, saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying you're yeah, warned. Yeah, you're warned. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that whole ridiculousness that went on. I mean, does 
because I know, like, especially, well, both sides of Warhammer, because there is the fantasy side, the Age of Sigmar, is that That is what it's called now, yeah. So Age of Sigmar is relatively new, um, I guess, as far as you would consider the lore, the breadth of the lore, and how things have changed. Um, For a long time, for almost 30 plus years, it was Warhammer Fantasy. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yes, Warhammer Fantasy was this, you know, they call it the old world now, but even when you were in it, it was called the old world, so I guess doesn't really matter uh, but <laughs> they didn't have a great concept of time <laughs> yeah it's just it's just old right like you're born you're old right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh it was called the old world and it had i mean there was a, a million stories fantastic stories awesome characters um great uh struggles between all these armies because because there is no good guys and there's no bad guys people were allowed to fall in love with whoever they wanted to as far yes. as the faction was concerned and f- and believe strongly in their propaganda. Yeah, right? <laughs> because that's all it really is. In that, 40K, Age of Sigmar, and in Warhammer Fantasy, because there's no... The moral compass is broken. Um, there's a lot of people who will buy into their own armies, you know, basically buy into yeah, their own yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yes. Because you're like, yeah, of course. Uh, I love them, so I believe everything they're saying is true. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't even get started on the love that I already have for the sisters. Oh, yeah. God, like, so rad. <laughs> like, I'm a pretty devout atheist. Like, yeah. agnostic atheist really on my militant days. Okay. But, like, the sisters just being like, we have faith, and that's all we need. And, like, they aren't bullshitting about it. No, and, they're like, not. It's real. <laughs> but I am actually making miracles happen because I believe that strongly. Strongly. Man, I just love these bitches. That's yeah. what I want to do. <laughs> the, the greatest part, I think, about sisters, and just like what you said, is that it's kind of like how the orcs are. Yeah. Their faith for, well, for the sisters, their faith is, you know, having miracles manifest themselves, not even daily, but like hourly. Yeah. So the more it happens, the more they're like, oh, this is real to us. So there's no room for yeah. their faith to be shaken. Yeah. Because it just keeps happening. And the orcs are like, well, if all of it, they're the most potent psychic force in all the known universe, and they're too stupid to realize it. So, if they all believe hard enough that red will make a vehicle move faster, then it will. Because they all do, and it'll see it happen, and it reinforces their belief in it. it exactly. Wild. Yes, I love that. I found uh, one of the podcasts that I just found, um, and I'll give them a shout out, is uh, Adeptus Ridiculous. Yeah, those guys are hilarious. I love those guys. Uh, <laughs> I went to their merch store and they have the hoodie and it's got like the orc like peeking over the words and oh, it's just yeah. I'm a tank I'm a tank I'm a tank. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Have you seen the video of that that no, somebody I, has made? I've oh, I read the story. I haven't watched the video yet. I heard it was out there though, and I just haven't looked it up. Oh man, it is. It's just exactly what you think it is. It's it's. I think it's like an excerpt from their podcast, but it's somebody animated it very very cartoonily. Okay, and yeah. it's just a bunch of orcs, like you said, piled together, and they are all saying under their breath. I'm a tank, I'm a tank, I'm a tank, I'm a tank, I'm a tank. <laughs> and as they're getting shot at, nothing's happening to them. They're not dying. Missiles are flying all over their heads, and they're just steadily just chugging across this board. It's wild. That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, for those of you that don't follow yet, uh, or are not interested, that is one of the things from the orcs from 40k, is they have this thing where if they believe it, it happens. It's a psychic ability that they have probably from like way, way back that just has manifested through. Oh yeah. So if you have more time, we can go in all, all of it. Yeah, I was going to say, we might, <laughs> we might do a couple segments later on where we just like break down. Um, but it's one of the things that I love about them. Yeah. Like, you know, or like you said, orcs believe that the color red makes things go faster. And I've heard stories where there was a group of Astaris, which is the space Marines chasing orcs and they were the blood angels yep. who wear an all red armor. So the orcs were like, they're going to catch us. So it happened, you 100%. know, <laughs> but even their, their guns, their ships, their technology, none of it would actually 
work. No. But they believe that it works, so it works. Like that, yep. they, that field of manifestation. That was one of the things I think that kind of brought me over to it. Um, that really was like, man, that's it. I give up. I got to try. Like, right. I, you know, you like, just have to. Like, I know there's, there was just so much. I was like, oh, it looks so big and it looks intimidating. I started reading the lore. And like I said before, like I'm a lore guy. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's what that's what's going to get me. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was uh, a Wes Hammer. Um, he was it was TikTok. And he kept coming up and being like, you know, Warhammer 40K, you know, stories and stuff. And I think he got to the one where, like, let's talk about one of the most violent weapons in the universe, the Chainsword. And oh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Come in. I'm in it. <laughs> you mean to tell me that there's a guy who is about 8 to 13 feet tall, already in armor, walking around, and he has a chainsaw with a handle to kill people with. I'm in it. Yeah. What right? else? What else you got? Like, this is it. Did the wargaming side of it, because I know, like, the Satanic Panic is kind of a, like, that's kind of a staple in D&D history. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, um, for those of us who are old enough to remember it, like, we look back on it and we're like, see, people can be dumb, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And for the younger generation, they're just kind of like. Yeah, they're like, oh, that, how did that happen? You're like, you just had to live it. Yeah, right. You yeah. had to be there. You had to be there. <laughs> did, does the wargaming side, because, I mean, let's, I mean, specifically for uh, Warhammer, um, both of them very heavily lean into the chaos powers and the darkness and like demons are real. Oh yeah. And they will come eat you and do horrible things to you. It's weird to say if it's, if it was ever too big of a problem, because obviously uh, games workshop and Warhammer didn't slow down. It only sped up. Right. And other, other war games too. Like, um, you know, I keep talking about war machine cause that's one of the more, that's like the other yeah. most yeah. prevalent one that people will know about. If you talk about war gaming in any capacity for the most part, um, they have a lot of, religious you know iconography and undertones and a lot of stuff in games because that's it's a motivating factor to relate to human beings right because religion is a big part of you know most people's day-to-day even if you're not a religious person you're still going to drive past a church or you're going to see something so it's an association tool that lends itself for really good stories and lore development for setting up your protagonists and shifting what you would the social norm so a lot of times in some of these warhammer stories the guys who are running the church for whatever reason in any in any system or any lore turn out to be the bad guys whereas you have the guys who kind of look edgy and sharp and kind of evil turn out to be the good guys and it really gets you more engaged in whatever story you're you're reading or listening to because it's the the shift in the norm sure sure yeah yeah i can yeah. see that and yeah from what i've read um i've when i started this i poured through a bunch of books um uh, like we did, I did the first, like the first thing in the Horus Heresy. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Too. Cause, Cause everybody's like, that's where you got to start. And yep. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, so yeah. And then like, since then have been like podcasts and, you know, just books and stuff and like reading about, you know, where they were in, you know, the 30th millennia. Yeah, absolutely. You know, where the emperor's like, Hey, religion's crazy. Knock it off. Don't be doing any of that shit. Yeah. 10,000 years later, everybody's praying to the emperor. And if you go, man, I don't know if he's really a God. <laughs> bad things will happen to you it will hurt you if you live it's going to be as a servitor yeah you know like all your brains just going to be mushed out and they're just going to use you as you know a you know meat puppet for something right (laughs) and that's like the horrific reality of just normal life at least in the in the universe of of warhammer Forty Thousand. yeah i'll say that one age of sigmar is a little bit more um yeah I wouldn't, if people like to think, and these are the, the people on the internet, of course, and people who, you know, just hate things to hate things because people are having fun, um, are like, oh, Age of Sigmar is not grim, dark, blah, blah, blah. I want my old Warhammer fantasy back. And if you read some of the stories in Age of Sigmar, I mean, there are whole clans of people being eaten alive because it's a Tuesday and the demons caught up to them. 
Yes. And yeah. they are praying for Stormcast, who are the main protagonists in that game, to just show up. And they're off having to deal with a million other things right? <laughs> that are just as horrible. <laughs> so um, I think uh, the grittiness and the grim dark, or the the stories that are more sad than good appeal to people because life is hard. Yeah. Our real lives are hard. Mm -hmm. So we want to relate to someone who's having it way worse than we are to be like, oh, well, you know, at least I'm not that guy who's, you know, chopping up, you know, people into soiling green cubes and feeding them to, you know, factory workers. And then that guy eats that little bar of grandma and then falls underneath a tractor that kills him. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. And that was his life. It could be worse. It, it could, could be, be worse. It could be worse. Yeah, and I, I, I still see it. Like I said, um, I did the Gotrek and Felix novels, and I've done a couple other that I've spaced out from there. Even the fantasy Age of Sigmar side, like whereas, I mean, 40k has a very definite feel to it. Like there is no good guy. Like the the closest thing you can say to like having a good faction is like the Tyranids because they're just following their natural drive to eat everything. That's it. Yeah, they are driven by nature. Yeah. So they're not. They don't really have evil intentions. Um, but even on you know the other side of it. Like I said, reading into it, it it wasn't. I don't think it's as in your face as the forty k side of it. It's very is. subtle. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, like, but don't fall in love with the character if it's not a main character. Yeah, don't you do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Game of Thrones on this bitch. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> Something bad is gonna happen to oh, him. Like, yeah. I can guarantee. Even if they don't die. Like, they're messed up for, like, three books. Horribly maimed. Yeah. fall to chaos a little bit. Yeah. You know, and have to get saved out of that, and then they're forever changed. Dudes out here going bald because yeah. they were exposed to too much, like, magic. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, anybody that anybody that says that, it's like, oh, that's not dark enough. It's like, you ain't reading, dude. Yeah, you're reading the wrong stuff. Either that or you, I don't know, maybe comprehension is not your thing. Yeah, maybe. Right? So, but yeah, I just, I mean, because like I said, I know we've taken it and the TTRBG side of it. And of course, since we've learned that it's, you know, since we've really gotten into playing and stuff, it's like, all right, that was silly. Like, it was. This, yeah. I've got Vampire the Masquerade. Oh, yeah. I've got, you know, um, like there's all sorts of TTRBGs that come out there that go a little bit deeper and a little bit darker into mm-hmm. it. It was what, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like Call of Cthulhu yeah. way back in the day. Oh, my gosh. Was the one that everybody was like, all right, hide your kids, hide your wife. They're out here summoning tentacle monsters. Right. And uh, not in my Christian suburbia. You won't. <laughs> uh, what is it? Delta Green is the game system that I've played that is a Cthulhu type. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like weird stuff happens. And you actually have a madness scale that you're keeping track and of. And it's so know? fun to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. so fun. Yeah, because you're dipping into that. Like, I mean, as much as we all pass as normal, I think we've all got a little bit like all the people that I've ever de- dealt with and like have been like, ah, we could be friends. Yeah. There's some dark weird in there somewhere. Oh, we're broken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're some broken people. Trauma (laughs) out the ass. And again, that's where I think that's where I think the gaming comes in is like, and that's our therapy. It is. That's this is what so we don't, you know, show up on Wavy News 10 because we murdered someone because we I got to murder some orcs with my space marines or I got to, (laughs) uh, you know, to do a shameless plug again for another minis game that we want to get into, uh, or at least I'm into on the model side of things called Wild West Exodus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because I'm Native American. Okay, so yeah. seeing representation in games is also really hard, even from a fantasy, you know, world. Yeah, um, it is. It's hard to relate. So you almost relate to classes more than races. Sure, I feel because yeah. a lot of people are like, "Well, I'm going to do this thing regardless of what species I am. I still get to do the job." Sure, and that's what you're. At least a lot of our group is like to. They like to relate more to the profession than the race. Yeah. Right. And yeah. sometimes they go hand in hand like elves, elf rangers. Yes, I agree. Human paladins. 
sure right. <laughs> you know like totally get it but um so in, in that in wild west exodus it is a another weird history switch right so it is the time of the pioneers and the native tribes out west i'm a eastern woodlands native american from the rappahannock tribe so different culture shift but sure. still native americans right um so in their version of history the civil war never happened what took place in between the civil war was called the um what was it called it was called the nations it's like the five nations uprising okay so it was the all the native tribes of the west the comanche the um cheyenne the apache they all banded together and became five separate great nations who militarized um found gunpowder and like repeaters and stuff and started making combinations of like nature mixed with machinery weapons okay and they had like these cyborg werewolves and it's fucking rad yeah it had like uh bandit uh factions in it and like a uh, union army was you know one too because it was in this little time period for it but essentially their struggle was trying to capture territory in the united states because it wasn't actually united states it was uh just a ramshackle of random territories that are being fought over all the time so that's the backdrop for uh wild west exodus is that it takes place cowboy cowboy it's cowboys and indians but add cyborgs and weird martians and magic yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. see you then yeah have you i don't know if you've seen this we just got this delivered this was a kickstarter that we backed whoa look at that um it is a uh ttrpg called coyote and crow for those of you not sitting in the room <laughs> yeah be jealous because i am no um, <laughs> oh this is awesome look at this it is a uh it was written designed built from the ground up um by a team that is all um indigenous people native american the artists are all native american and it takes place in a version of the americas where europe never sent anybody over there was never any colonization so oh wow you know the indigenous people here were able to just build their own culture and it takes place in the future so oh, sick yeah so we're yeah. already way past that we cyberpunk just, native america let's yeah, do it right yeah like this let's is one of them i can't wait to read through this so i can get good at it and run it um invite which, me over absolutely we're doing it <laughs> we just got this in it was a kickstarter that we backed it was just one of those programs like man I, you got to throw money at this like this is definitely a thing that's that awesome doing. i did not hear about it i'm actually sad about it is it um uh, is it available for for purchase now um i believe it is when we get done remind me i'll look it up because yeah, i think they're sure. still they're yeah they're still putting it out they just got it out like i said just got it um pushed out there's a great message in it at the beginning because one of the things that i've worried about from just that standpoint like i said white people screw stuff up so we do. <laughs> <laughs> i think we all screw things up but you know hey you guys have a track record we don't. <laughs> we're, we're doing real well now though we're very right, we're trying some of us are trying um there's a message in here it's like a message to new players and they do have one it's like it's a message to native american players it's like hey if you do have part of your culture that you want to incorporate into your character and into this like please feel free to do that like this is a book that we wrote for us kind of thing that we're sharing with the rest of the world that is so cool then there's another message to non-native american players like hey if you think you want to like take like modern day culture that you think you know and put it in there don't fucking do that (laughs) 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 i love it we put everything in this book that you need to play in this world right here yeah this is it and that's all you need to worry about don't try like I know you watch Dances with Wolves and you think you're an expert and stuff. <laughs> oh my god, Don't Kevin do Costner, it. no. <laughs> right? That may not be exactly what they say in there, but that's what the message is. It's like, I hey, it. just play the book. That's what we're asking you to do as somebody that's sharing our love with you and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely will have to check that out. I thought you'd be interested in that. What a like, fantastic thing. Yeah. That is fan that's great. Yeah, man. 
totally down for it. Glad, thank you for showing me that. I will throw um, money at that. Absolutely. I'll get you their information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for new people, could maybe be intimidated or maybe not ready or oh, not yeah, sure sorry how they that. want to get we, into We got them. all the way off track. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fine. That's what we do here. <laughs> Fair <Yeah>. enough. <laughs> there are no rails. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Maglev, let's do it. <laughs> what do you say to them? As, what's your advice? To, um, to, if they're interested in getting in the hobby, but they're like, where do I start? So, um, I think the best thing now, being a little bit older and being into wargaming um, as long as I have, and interacting with so many different people, either in a in a business sense as someone who is uh, you know owning a business or you know sh- trying to work it as a job, right, or as you know not on the clock, just hanging out with friends, doing stuff at a store, and hanging out. I think the biggest thing that any of us who already participate in the hobby is just letting people know that it's not scary. Like just having that conversation of being like, if you see someone, you know, at a store who's interested in something that you're interested in, don't be afraid to approach them politely, you yeah. know, and let them know. It's like, hey, I see you looking at uh, some Space Marines, man. Like, uh, what, are you, what are you thinking about? And he's like, oh, and you always get those guys who are like, I wasn't really looking at that. I'm just kind of in this. It's like, hey, boo boo, it's okay. Right. right. <laughs> like, you know, we're, I do this too. Right. And right. It's, it's usually nine times out of 10, as soon as that happens walls come down and they're like oh yeah it is cool man but like what is this and then you you go through your spiel and you let them know so i think it's just um the existing community needs to feel well not they don't need to but i invite us to feel more um friendly when you're out in public or when you see people who have questions or you you know or people who are like watching your game like if you're in the middle of a game it's feel feel free to like tell your opponents like hey man do you mind pausing real quick this guy looks like he's interested let's go let's go grab him right you know? right yeah okay <laughs> that aggressive politeness is uh is the key is letting people know that everything's okay you can join this too and if you have any questions you know either i can answer them or if it's something that i don't know we'll find the answer the geek community at large oh boy let's let's <laughs> let's talk <laughs> Let's talk about this. Um, social skills were <sighs> never anything that any of us rolled high on, right? Oh yeah. Um, I won't say. Uh, like I think that, like I know from our side, um, like I said, from, like the TTRG side and stuff, like Critical Role, I think probably did more by being pretty people that played D anD D. Yeah, like and first mm-hmm. of all. Where do they get off? <laughs> all being just gorgeous kid creatures, right? And playing our game. You like, obviously all came out great looking, like you know, <laughs> Travis. You could lift a small truck. Yeah, yeah. Like, that guy's real strong. And then you, <laughs> and then you guys come in here and take this too. Yeah, we have nothing left. <laughs> all we have is like weird body odor and medical problems. <laughs> and I think that's sacred. a lot of right. That's where a lot of the community, like a lot of them, I know when that first started, they, they were kind of like, "Well, what do we have now?" It's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa." There's plenty of there's plenty of room, guys. Oh yeah, like yeah, you know. And I think that has brought so many other people that were like, "Oh man, geeks play D and D." And now, I, like, I've had people say that to me, and then come back to me like weeks, months later, go like, "Hey man, I heard you know how to teach D and D." Yeah, uh-huh. I do. And it's always so secretive, though. right? Is that, right. Why is like that still under, a thing? It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> there's still this stigmatism around it. Yeah. Um, just you know, and I'm pretty open about it. Like, I mean, we have like our, like our logo and stuff that we have. Like, yeah. I wear my lanyard to work and I got my yeah. hat on all the time and Hell stuff. Yeah. And if people talk to me, I'll be like, yeah, you want to talk gaming? I'll talk gaming. Let's hey, do it. My whole team at work has our lanyard. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I have it as well. It is, yeah. uh, it's hanging up in my car right now, actually. Nice. I'm just like, you know what? Why not let just like, let's see this and we'll have more people ask. Cause I definitely want to give you guys exposure. man. This I appreciate that. We do. We do. But I mean, that's, I'm a 43 year old man. I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. You like, don't look a day over 82. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being in the Navy for 20 years will do that. <laughs> <Yeah. to me. laughs> 
like a piece, like a parts of, that are broken. The doc's like, that's supposed to be good for another twenty years. Like, well, the warranty's up, doc. <laughs> yeah, don't you want it? it's all done. <laughs> we'll just cause you up. It's fine. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a, I, I'm an adult, and I have adult money, and I'm going to spend it on the things that I want. And right. The whole thing is changing. I think everybody is learning. You know that we can enjoy what we want to enjoy, and it doesn't. You know, you don't have to feel like you're an outcast or something to get on that. It's like it's cool to be a nerd now. Yeah. Like for lack yeah. of a better term, I know we we at least me and my group of friends we say it all the time because we see more like I mean look at Disney Plus. Oh I mean God. look at all of what Star Wars has done now. Like yeah. look at all the kids running around with like you know backpacks and action figures and and they're not getting immediately shit stomped right yeah. <laughs> you know by the other kids. And you see it this like a weird shift in like kids are growing up now with D and D being normal, yeah, or being yeah, done in the house, absolutely. or even like uh, board games. Like it is not uncommon to see people who are having board game nights, yeah. and advertising them around town and being like, "Hey, come join us!" Total strangers yeah. opening their homes for people to play Ticket to Ride and yeah, you know, yeah. Monopoly and. Um, and then they're getting into like stuff like Zombicide with like maybe some minis involved, and they're like, "Oh, let's paint these because I heard about that Warhammer thing." And that's and everybody's doing everything, yeah, which yeah. is great. Yeah, we we like I said we're big fans of you know everybody having a seat at the table, and you know whatever you love can be something that can be shared. And there's such a great part of this community. I think we still got our like we still have our issues, of course. No, we're you not know. perfect. Yeah, um, which I just a caveat because at some point a lot of people may hear this and go like, oh yeah, well what about the well slow down? Yeah, calm down. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, we get I got it. it. There's definitely some still like some problems out there that we're working on. Uh, Wizards of the Coast this year has done a lot as far as the race uh, question. I heard about that Indeed. actually. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know how to the extent of what what had happened or what made them do the move. I know that a lot of things. In pop culture, or yeah, just in entertainment, I guess I would say broad scope entertainment yep. is, is the move to for more inclusivity. Sure, and you know, mm -hmm. letting people know it's like, hey, if you're if you don't feel represented, here is this comic book, or here is this new character, or here is this show, even yeah. um, that is trying to trying to touch that. And there's some parts of it that are good and yeah. tasteful and very like, wow, that the breath of fresh air yeah and yeah. some of it is not so much sure and yeah. forced <laughs> yeah so right we're like you said we're still figuring that part out too but i it's weird to see it in in geek and nerd culture because i at least grew up you know and like you guys like you guys said with a lot of D and and tabletop stuff where there are elves and right. orcs and dragonborn and you know halflings and the racism in fantasy worlds is like, oh, well, you know, I can relate to that because I've seen that in my life or unfortunately I've had that happen in my life. And you can relate to it there and you're like, well, in a fantasy world, at least they can do something about it. Sure. Would not. I'm not even saying like resorting to violence, but it's like, you know, you have whole wizard councils who are like, hey, you get one wish because you've completed this quest for us. What would that wish be? And you have players who are openly being like, hey. I want halflings to not be oppressed anymore by uh, the hill folk. Sure. And then yeah. that wish is granted and you're like, wow, we did something. Yeah. Like right. it, it's real. Yeah. And it's a really good feeling uh, to take you out of reality for a minute as a you know, person of color or uh, even somebody with different nationality, um, different culture entirely. These fantasy worlds are a, uh, a like a homogeny uh, where people can all come together be these different races, do these different jobs, go on these fantastic quests and work together instead of arguing about, I don't like orcs because they did this to my people way back in the day. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I think that's a lot of what they tried to do. Um, like, they removed a lot of the restrictions. Like, if you're making a character, it used to be that, all right, well, you get this bonus and this bonus. 
well, yeah, I get strength and calm because I'm a dwarf. But like, what if it's the what if it's more of a bookish dwarf? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What if he's a nerd? Right. <laughs> what, if, what if we got that nerd? The so nerd you, dwarf. So they let you move those around and stuff now. Where That's they cool. kind of freed stuff up, so you can come up with a character that you that the one that you're picturing in your head, which is probably a lot like you somewhere. Like it's yeah. it's a yeah. facet of probably what you are or who you are. So that's pretty cool. Like with the wargaming side of it, I mean, I know a lot of it's like minis on a map type thing. Sure. So at like, its core, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I have heard the like the discussion around female astartes. Oh boy, is that? <laughs> Let's open that. Can. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, boys. I don't know how much time you've got. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the while the internet has done all that great stuff that we talked about earlier yeah. while bringing you know more awareness to that we even exist that this culture exists of people playing games and interacting with each other with miniatures with board games with cards however you have your geek fun there the internet let people know about it more what the internet also did uh created these places called reddit <laughs> and uh <laughs> these other places called 4chan some other pretty pretty sure you know, those are actually vicious chaos. hives of scum and villainy <laughs> <laughs> where you know because you have a bandwidth and you pay for your internet you automatically assume everybody deserves to hear your opinion yeah and uh that has that's where the female space marine thing started it's because there are people in any lore D D, um with movies you know uh marvel whatever you know, pick a thing that people love right they loved it because of the stories just like you said if we had no miniatures in warhammer and all we had was the black library which is the place where they produce all the stories the stories right, the, the books the, the novels yeah it would still have just as much if not more of a following because that's what that's the substance yeah. we can have yeah. these plastic pieces but if we don't know where they're from or what their motivations are they almost don't mean anything exactly yeah. you're not as tied to those yeah. yeah so because people are tied to stuff so much and they love an established lore that they have fallen into and they really care about it they're very protective over yeah no you're right yeah it's overprotective and defensive because to them it's like i love this thing and it either saved me from a bad time in life or it was there for me when other people weren't what have you and it doesn't even have to be that dark maybe it's just i love space marines being dudes why the hell they got titties now like and and me freaking out about it (laughs) exactly yeah they make such i've I've heard so many comments about well how can you make boob armor i'm like it's come on. It's like you just you just round that bitch over like the same ones that they're already wearing. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know if you've seen any of the drawings I've seen, but most of those dudes got some pretty big tits too. Like yeah. I mean, the Astaris are not little dudes. No, there's plenty of room in there. There is plenty, plenty of room. Of room. <laughs> and the uh, and that is I don't even think that's the core of the issue. Mm-hmm. I think it comes up when people are like I said very passionate, and that passion can sometimes be turned into some gatekeeping and some over defensiveness on shit that's not real. Let's right. also ground ourselves. I was going to say, let's come back to that again. Yeah, yeah, we're talking in a world where humanity has reached the stars and there are trillions upon trillions of human beings in a galaxy fighting trillions of other things that don't like us. And you're mad that some dude on a web forum somewhere said, oh, I would like female space brain. You're like, oh, my God, you just get your shit together. And you're freaking out over something that is all fake. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know? It, it is still a fantasy. It is still an idea. Yes. Like, there's nothing wrong with growth. Like, have you read the stuff in there? Female space marines seem like so much less of a, you know, not can ever happen thing than half the books I've already read. Are Absolutely. you serious? But, I mean, we talked about that in the same thing with the TTRPG side. It, when we were talking about the, uh, the, oh, wheelchair. Like the wheelchair. Oh my god, the wheelchairs come back up too. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
we're talking about being inclusive and things like that to people with disabilities. Um, and this one guy was talking about, well, why can't we have like a character be in a wheelchair? Like, I mean, you're talking about in science fiction, like in fantasy, you have magic. You can literally make fire come from your fingertips. I'm pretty sure we can figure out how to make a wheelchair work in a dungeon. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like our list of problems is way longer than the amount of time it would take to slap some wheels on a chair. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. This is and this is it's coming back up like this discussion comes around about every six months right now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. This is, a, this is a regular thing. <laughs> oh, no. And every time it's just like, <laughs> really? God, God. Yeah. And, and it brings me back to the, I mean, if that is the thing that holds you up from allowing somebody else to enjoy the game. Like, what are you doing with your life, man? Seriously. Like, yeah. uh, just honestly, because to you, that might just be something you want to argue. But to the person who feels that that they are finally represented in this game they love. Yeah. Like, that is such a huge difference. And that's such a, a terrible thing to try and gatekeep, uh, especially when, I mean, this hobby can be so rich for people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you don't like wheelchairs? Let me show you pain machines. All right, we'll find a way around <laughs> yeah. this. Let me also show you Professor Xavier. Let's start there. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, right? The One of the greatest, arguably, one of the greatest humanitarians who was not wholly human in any source of fiction rode around in a fucking hover chair, right? <laughs> like, we can do it, guys. Yeah, yeah right. I swear we can do it. We got this. Like, yeah. really, just hit the I believe button on this one and let's go. I yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, Oh my gosh! Um, but yeah, I, so it's good that it, it's still it's all of gaming that we still got to we still got to fight these silly fights for people that you know we all love what we do. But, yeah, I mean, man, like I love what I do playing with Josh or you know playing with you know a group down the street or anybody. Bring them all to the table. Like, yeah, I don't care. Tell me a story about this wizard that you have an idea about or this ranger that just happens to be you know doesn't have the use of their legs. Yeah, like oh my god. I, like tell me how that works yeah you know 100%. make that story for me yeah that's that's the thing that i think um that's what it comes from though it's like a lot of a lot of these stories and things that we like and the entertainment that we that we find in these fantasy worlds and stuff like that whether it be through tabletop rpgs whether it be through miniature games is because you found something that you've latched onto and you love it so much right that you you kind of build yourself this world of what you think is cool without taking a step back sometimes to register that hey you're in order for you to have the max amount of fun that you want to have with these games you do have to interact with other people and they're not always going to agree with everything that you think is rad sure yeah and you have to be an adult sometimes to just stand the fuck up look them in the face and say hey i respect your opinion even though i don't agree with you exactly yeah yeah we we got to this point guys we're all adults now we all have adult money to throw (laughs) into this we all can go to adult jail if somebody doesn't know how to act exactly These are important things. I love I, you know, the gaming community. They're all following this right now. Pay attention, all right? Yeah, yeah. this is important. Uh, awesome. Hey, man, Um, like I said, it has been an absolute honor having you come over here and talk with us. Like, no, I said, really appreciate it, guys. Um, I know a lot of this, we've kind of just kind of talked just kind of the geek stuff in general and just gaming in general, man. But I like if, if somebody's interested in doing the war gaming, like I hope that there's something they heard that was like, okay, it's not that intimidating. It's not that big. Yeah, there are a lot of shelves, and there's a lot of stuff on there. But, I mean, you're not going to find well, whether you love this or not unless you go and, you know, throw your two cents in the ring and see how it goes. You have to try it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And yeah. if, I, if I were to say, like, a conclusive, I guess, statement yeah. Yeah. For, for all of that, if you were a new person and you're listening to this and you've been wondering about wargaming for a while and you're on the fence for it, 
my best piece of advice I could give you is you have access to the internet in the palm of your hand. We have these phones that would blow people's minds from like the 1920s oh, we right. told them that, that we could look up the chemical makeup of carbon on my phone in two seconds. It would They would lose their shit. Right. So if you have access to such raw, powerful information... Use that to your advantage. Google something that you're that you're confused about, or if you just know a name of something. There are so many active resources out there from all these companies, and we should give them all their their equal love. Games Workshop, Privateer Press, Fantasy Flight Games. Um, there's probably going to be some that I'm missing in there because all the other developers, people who make Malifaux, the people who make ba- BattleTech, the people who yep. make um, you know up and coming minis games that are on Kickstarters and stuff like mm-hmm. that, where they're still trying to do war gaming, but it's on a little bit of a board or or what have you. Rage is one of them. Um, if I can't remember uh, that I kickstarted and I'm still waiting for stuff, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but We feel you. We feel yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, um, it's outstanding the amount of raw resources that we have that you can look up on your own. And then when you feel comfortable enough, or even if you don't want to look any of this up, go to support your local stores. Not yep. me just saying that as, a, nope, as a business owner myself, but like, Go to your local stores because that's their job. Yeah. They wouldn't exist if somewhere in that building someone didn't have a passion and a love for what it is. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, yes, while customer service is a little lacking, (laughs) in my host so humble opinion, um, there's still going to be someone there, even if they don't work there, who is going to have the same amount of passion that's, you know, that you'd find somewhere else to have all the time in the world to take their time with you, explain to you what it is, what you're looking at what you're willing to get into on a starting budget right and what your where your next steps are i'll say at least because i work for the company there that uh games workshop has uh all of these like start here sets yes and yes you know getting started with because they know that the they know that it's intimidating like we all didn't start with this no we had to get into it and we all had our same apprehensions um and same thing like privateer press used to send stores these little box foldouts that were like maybe a foot and a half by a foot and a half. And it was like two or three models, some dice and the tape measure. And then it was like a quick, hey, play this. Right. So there are so many ways for new people to give it a shot, visit your local stores and do some research on your own. And you'll be surprised about how less intimidating it is once you just do a little bit of research. Any parting shots, Josh? No, I, I I really appreciate it. It's been awesome having you on. Uh, definitely cool to see, you know, more of a wargaming perspective. Um, I Again, my favorite part about having guests on is just to hear where what you've done, like the stuff you're into, where you came from, um, all the type of gaming you got into. I'm glad to see somebody else started with magic. Yeah, man. Because, um, yeah, that's <laughs> that was definitely the first thing that pulled me in. Um, but yeah, man, no, absolute pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate um, your perspective on stuff. Uh, yeah, man, it's been awesome. Um, is there, um, do you have, do you have social media that people can contact you on or anything? Um, I don't know. I'm not, not a really popular guy. I don't think I have an Instagram. If people care, they want to see me pick up heavy things and also paint <laughs> tiny models. I was gonna say, <laughs> if you want to put that out, uh, absolutely. Just get, um, yeah, on Instagram, I'm a uh, Norfolk Frank Castle because that's also who I cosplay the most as Punisher. That's kind of fantastic. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Awesome. <laughs> Preston, thanks again for coming on. At any time, if you feel like you have something that you want to say that you know you feel like this is a good medium that you can use, um, you know, look us up, and you are absolutely more than welcome to be back at any time. Whew, we did it, guys. <laughs> we, we made it. Oh, I appreciate all. I appreciate you guys inviting me. Um, from the bottom of my heart, this is a, a new experience for me. I've never done something like this before. 
So I really appreciate you guys just using, letting me use your platform to just hang out and talk about stuff that I'm super passionate about. Absolutely. And uh, I really hope that this blows up for you guys. I'm going to start sharing it everywhere, not just because I'm on it. After that, like, 13 hours of listening I was gonna say, to all your stuff. Crunch. I was, yeah, I was like, well, these guys the- are rad. Why don't more people know about this? And I mean that sincerely. Thank you. There's, no, there's no podcasts uh, uh, that just go over in a very concise and easy. That's what I found the most from this is that it's very easy to digest. I was painting models. I was cleaning my house. I was at work. Yeah. Like, and all the whole time I'm listening to you guys. And I'm like, this is digestible literally fucking anywhere. It is especially if you love it yeah. like uh, if you're a new person into it too though it's like you guys are speaking evenly enough and you're going over topics that anybody can like take a good part of that and be like oh hey i am gonna look up what is a kickstarter or hey i'm gonna look into these conventions i don't know what this is about and then they're off googling from there right and right it's amazing and then we slowly draw them in absolutely <laughs> play these games us. with <laughs> us. us indeed <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you again, man. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Uh, You guys know this has been the Dapper Meeple. We'll put our stuff at the end of the episode. So if you want to reach out and talk to us, um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, email, whatever you feel comfortable with, uh, we'll be looking forward to it. Now on the Dapper Meeple, know your character. This was a segment that we came up with where we actually talked about some of our favorite characters that we've played in some TTRPGs, and we have a guest on that is also a TTRPG fan. I absolutely love to do this segment, um, and it is know your character. So what this is, is if you have sat at a table, and if you have played somebody else, if you have done that exercise in imagination, you have probably fallen in love with one of your characters that you tell stories about because they're your stories through the eyes of this character. And we'd love for you guys to bring those in and talk about them and then maybe find where they could fit as an NPC or something in somebody else's game. That's kind of the idea behind it. When we have a guest on, I absolutely want to hear like, it's the, who's your favorite character and how would I stick them, you know, in the middle of a game somewhere? Uh, Preston was our guest today. Hell yeah. Um, Sat down, talk to us. Back at it again. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Let's start with character name. Do you have that character, that one that's the repeating character? Oh, 100%. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Perfect. It's ever since, oh, God, my first my first GURPS game. I don't know if you guys have... I'm, old, I'm familiar. Okay, yeah. So, like, played GURPS, like, oh, my God, I was, like, 13, maybe? That was, like, my first ever nerd experience <laughs> with other human beings. Right, So, it right. was a real big deal. But ever since then, brought in all the way up to now, because even in some games that I run myself, um, he is named Xavion of the Four Winds, and he is a a monk. Um, for because I've, I've moved him between so many different games, that's the best way I could just describe him without any like, you know, super fucking awesome adjectives and all sorts <laughs> sure, of stuff. Right, right. He is a monk. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I uh, got it. Um, so you said he came from the GURP system, but how many different systems have you put him in? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Again, you got time, fellas. <laughs> He has been in damn near, I would say, yeah, so GURPS, um, D&D, 3rd, Pathfinder, um, like OG Pathfinder, right? the revised Pathfinder, what people call like Pathfinder 3.5 or whatever, right? Right. Uh, or D&D 3.5. Um, he's been in a couple of campaigns in 4th in edition D&D. 
Um, he's been in mostly Fate System stuff, though. Got That's it. my preferred yeah. system. It's one that I run a lot with okay. my close friends and ones that are easier for, I think, new TTRPG people to get into yeah, because definitely. it's not so number heavy. Mm-hmm. It's very much role play. So yes. for people who are not familiar with the, the role playing aspect in TTRPGs, like that is a whole caveat of a, of a subgenre of how to enjoy that game because yeah. you don't have to clearly you guys can roll dice you can power game the shit out of it you can min max your characters and be right. awesome but i think where people have the most memorable experiences or are super attaching themselves to unforgettable characters is when you role play yeah. so yeah. fate allows a lot for that it does it does anybody that has not tried fate i mean it is just it's a simple system it can be adapted to any setting so that is a great one to really get into so yeah um so, so he's so we're gonna we're gonna call him a monk. Does he have a like? Is there a designated race? He's human. He's human. Okay. Um, he's a human monk. Uh, his race in the universe, I guess, because moving him between games, it was kind of that whole like you know, hey, do do what you want. So I, I kind of have him where all universes are connected. So we're in a multiverse of fantasy. Right. Right. <laughs> Yep. So he has moved between realms because of his, you know, when you level up in a game over three years, he's Omega busted in that universe. Sure. And, you know, comparable to the party that he was working with. But he is, because he's a monk, his gods allow him to traverse to other planes of existence, revert back physically to someone of a lesser status, but he keeps his mind. Right. So Got he's it. there to help. Um, he's a sage uh, kind of character. But he's very much the martial arts monk. No, no hand-to-hand weapons. Okay. Oh, so it just yeah, straight martial prowess. Uh, you know, iron, iron body, uh, steel will kind of thing. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Um, so what kind of stats are we looking at? Oof, God. I guess. I mean, how do? You, how would you like me to answer that? Since he's moved between so many different things, I can give you a generalistic. Yeah. 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 Thing. Let's. He's um well like so your typical monk I guess let's say your typical D and D monk okay um he is you know very agile very quick very fast you know very acrobatic um strength is is a factor is a characteristic but of course monks train outside of raw strength because their strength comes from key right? sure right I was gonna yeah. say yep. yep so um he's very much the what you would assume to be the typical monk even though. Um, he has proficiency in melee weapons, but like pole arms and uh, chakrams. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I think if I were to give his stat line a a once over, he is your your typical like eighties martial arts movie. I was gonna say, yeah, like, yeah. But add a little bit of the Avatar, Last Airbender kind of um, previous Avatars kind of emotion okay. to him. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes oh yeah, that makes perfect sense with yep. yeah, yeah, how he's been yeah. or how he is that character has lived yes. through the different versions and the different dimensions. Yeah. Multiple lives and he's one of those that's like not hung up on himself. His whole purpose, his gods give every his gods give every child who's born in the monastery from my original story, uh they give them a, a mission of something to complete in the world to bring harmony because uh they are the total monks that believe that there has to be evil in order for good to be resonant. Right. So right. Um, his task given him at birth and that he trained all the way up in the first game up to do was to lead this party to defeating a great big bad who was a vampire who was not using humans for cattle, but he was draining them of their life essence up until they would die and hold them in stasis. So yeah, it, it was way more evil. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was holding a people hostage and capturing all these people. And these were a group of adventurers. There was a mercenary. There was a bounty hunter. There was a, a wizard. 
uh, who was like not actually using magic, kind of lying to people and doing card tricks and then stabbing them. <laughs> so like he was our wizard, right? <laughs> but he was a rogue. Let's right. just say, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was me <laughs> being Xavion and being like the dad. They I was always like camp dad. Just herd the cats around and make sure that they remembered that good decisions and bad decisions are fine as long as we you know stop the big bad. Right. And um, so yeah, sorry, we got off stats. No, no, that's yeah. exactly what I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so give me a description. Like if someone were to if someone were to encounter them in a fantasy setting. Okay. What, what does he look like? So Xavion is average height. So he's like my height. He's like five nine. Less than six foot. Um, medium build. Pretty athletic, though, because obviously he's monk. So he's doing so. He's way more ripped yeah. than I am. Right. <laughs> like, extremely. That's my favorite part of playing fantasy games, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't have to work out at all. Right. They look yeah. great. He looks good. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's average build. He's of dark skin complexion like myself, but he has these tattoos. So okay. that's another part of his backstory is that um, his race of, of human beings are called the Arlathi. And they were a... Kind of a mix between, like, the Saiyans from Dragon Ball Z and, um, I guess you would say, like, Amazonians and other fiction. Yeah. Of the all-warrior race of women kind of thing. So if you mix those two together, it was a race of, like, super combative um, humans who would would peacefully settle and be farmers. They didn't know that they could fight until they were threatened. Um, There was a mad Mm -hmm. scientist uh, that was running around at that time and working with a dark wizard you know, entire civilization of cloning certain races to create this army to assist that vampire lord in his dealings. Got it. So when the mad scientist found a village of Arlathi people, he knew that they were prime subjects for this for this oh, army. Yeah, right. So he started snatching up a bunch of kids, uh, ex- really experimenting on the men, the women, and the children, and coming to find a way to mind control them because they would always break free from their shackles. They could not physically bind these people. They were way too strong. Their tattoos would shift colors depending on what threat level that they were encountering, which would give them increased speed, increased strength, and, you know, some other wild abilities. Right, right. So when they tried it by force, they were like, damn. <laughs> this didn't work. <laughs> this this didn't work. <laughs> Iron Shackles, not a go-go. So then it went into the mind control or the uh, kind of like forcing them into camps, very Nazi Germany kind of thing. Right. Making them feel less powerful than they were, conquering the mind instead of the body. Yeah, yeah. Um. So... Xavion, my character, he was captured as a child and was mem- like mind wiped, memory washed, and was the perfect soldier, very much Winter Soldier esque. Got it. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. had keywords and everything. Kind of. So when I watched the movie, I was like, "Damn, they ripped it. They ripped it for me." <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> they took that. They took that for me. <laughs> Marvel, please don't sue me. I have no money. Uh, <laughs> they. So they they captured him though. He had keywords and everything, and was trained and was bred to be like the one of the first leaders for this army. Halfway through his training process, though, he was coming into nature and finding, like, being off by himself. The mad scientists would try to run out and try to find him, like a, you know, like a lost dog or something sure, like yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. treated him very much like a pet. Didn't, uh, Zavron didn't know how to speak until he was off on his own doing other things. So it was very hard bringing upbringing. But he ran away. Zavion ran away from the tower where he was kept, broke out of his chains, and used his heightened senses to find his village again. And he found that people were there that looked like him. And he had no idea that they even existed. Right. And he was mind blown. So he, before he could reach to talk to someone, though, he was snatched away. The wizards that were helping the scientists pulled him away. And he was living with that. And eventually, long story short, because we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> he, he broke free from the scientists, killed him, 
But when he killed him, it unlocked one of the keywords because that was the last keyword that the scientist said to trigger his like third state of being. Okay, which yeah, is yeah, where yeah. his tattoos go from white stripes into red glowing stripes, and his eyes would, you know, glow red, and he was in a berserker rage. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So he pretty much tore ass through half the countryside until he passed out from exhaustion and killed a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> when he awoke, uh, he was at the foot of this monastery where uh, these monks from all different races, there were dragonborns, humans, halflings, elves, who had come together to uh, pretty much harmonize the world. And then they were in secret for the whole time. But the wizard council was spying on them as well. Right, right. <laughs> so that's where it connects everything. Long story short, one of the, the grandmasters in the monastery found him at the steps, uh, nursed him back to health, taught him how to read, taught him how to write, taught him about culture, taught him about keeping the beasts inside subdued because yeah. he knew what the power was. But then eventually he saw, you know, that the the council of the monks saw that their world was shrinking, that the influence of the wizards and the vampire lord was starting to close in. So they said, well, we're going to teach you how to fight. Like, we, <laughs> we have to. And then they opened up a whole secret section of the monastery where all the warrior monks were being trained. And there's only 100. Right. Well, there was 99 because I'm corny. Right. Of course, he was, Xavion was the 100th one. <laughs> naturally <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 you gotta be you gotta be the chosen it's you my story to. i tell it all once. absolutely yeah. yep. so he was trained in in their arts of the four winds which was uh using you know uh using hand strikes using feet strikes but also um using the opponent's body against them so yeah, a mixture yeah, of all the martial arts so kind of aikido type yeah big yeah. bruce lee fan got so it. very yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. kind of thing um, but once they taught him that they realized that he had these tattoos that were resonating and shifting colors and they didn't know what was going on so they gave him an amulet that he still wears to this day as he's traveled all the way through. That once he removes the amulet, it will immediately trigger his rage state. But he is in control. They taught him how to control it, which right. is now more dangerous. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. So in his adventures after leaving the monastery, he has learned how to better harness all of those powers, how to even unlock new ones, and how to... Uh, better navigate the world around him so that he can exist with people that are more like him. Oh yeah, he wears robes. Sorry, we're, <laughs> we're talking about his appearance. <laughs> he is fair-skinned, has tattoos, he's bald. Um, in a lot of my earlier stories, he had a ponytail like I have. Uh, through, you know, being a sagey monk, at some point you gotta, you know, shave it all off. Yeah, it's gotta kind be of the bald. thing. But be... he has a sick beard. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I can't grow one. <laughs> he has his amulet and his uh, prayer beads. Yeah, that okay. Are, that are around him as well that tie into the amulet. And he has robes where, um, obviously, so the, the left side of him has no sleeves. It turns into the tunic that covers the right side has a sleeve. And then that's pretty much it. He has a little knapsack. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleeps under the stars <laughs> the whole nine yards. Because for whatever he's going to carry to the next dimension. Yeah. But you need something. Got a pack yeah, line. Yeah, right? Yeah. I love it. That's a fantastic backstory. I appreciate that's it. That's great. <laughs> as he's kind of moved and been to these different locations, like, what is his motivation as he's going through each one? Because he's obviously completed his ta his original task his original task was completed so he revisited his monastery and this was at the end of our uh, campaign at that time it was run being run by one of my really close friends um and when he he had no other you know story after we had pretty much beat the big bad right so he was like hey guys do you mind just sending me stuff to, that your character has done as like the end credit scene yeah if yeah, you yeah. will he was like so we can wrap this up and have a cool thing and you know look back on it again well i took that as Game two, motherfucker. Let's go. So <laughs> we're gonna extend this. Oh yeah, I was like, movie two. Let's go. So 
uh, when Xavion approached to the old monastery, and this is years yeah. uh, in in game and in real life um, that had passed after they had beat the big bad, but he had went to the steps of his monastery to rejoin um, his you know, fellow monks. You know, just live the life there, become an abbot, do the whole thing. Um, when he reached the bottom of the steps, he realized that there was a great disturbance. Something was wrong. Statues were cracked. There were you know chunks of the steps missing, and there's a thousand steps to climb because ever for to get to the top of the monastery was the first original task. And every step was supposed to be a moment in life that you were focused on a task. So by the time you reach the 1,000th step, your mind should be in the right place to accept the training. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. he's at the bottom, immediately takes his amulet, puts it in his pocket, goes into rage mode, zoom all the way up the stairs. By the time he's at the very top, he sees, of course, the horrible massacre of every single person he used to know. And... With that, as he's moving through all the the now very quiet, not lit, dank, you know, very dark monastery that he's not used to, he is finding these weapons that are of a foreign make, like not even of his world. They're very strange. They're organic yet metal. And he sees bodies, but they're of armor with no person inside of them. Right, right. Like just empty suits. And these empty suits are also organic, pulsating, and are alive but do not contain the person who used to wear it. So he goes and does a, a, a prayer to try to cleanse at least the inner sanctum, and it, it doesn't work. And this is the first time in his life that that's ever happened to him, where the gods didn't answer. And then now he's like, oh, shit. This is the first <laughs> oh, shit moment Probably, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. he has actually had. Even, and past the big bad. We thought the big bad was bad. Like, right, right. So after gathering some of these, or trying to gather these armor and weapons that are laying on the ground, as he tries to pick them up and even touch them, they just, they move out of his hand in a very gross, slimy <laughs> Like way. I heard that sound in my right. head. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so he realizes that this is no longer a place of worship, or that the, the gods have abandoned this location. Yeah. Which is of great concern to him. So he then tries to find clues of who or what have done this. Which he finds in a in the back of the inner sanctum, his grandmaster's chambers. His grandmaster's still alive, holding on to breath, but is mortally wounded. Of course, he rushes to him. I know I've picked a lot of tropes from other movies. No, no, no. If anybody's no. listening to this, you got to start somewhere, first. right? <laughs> <laughs> but he goes into the back room. He you know approaches his grandmaster and he asks him like, "Hey, what happened? Like, what is all this? I've only been gone for like you know at that time it was like two years or something of that nature." And he's like, there was, while you were gone, he was like, we were assaulted by things not of this world. And he begins to go into the log diatribe of things that they had recorded and that the Grandmasters already knew about, but weren't exactly sure about it happened while he left. And in the time that Xavion was gone, when he was approaching the Vampire's Tower, the Vampire Lord had a time warp, I guess, encasement around that situation where for them it was two years. In that area, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in yeah, the yeah. real world, it was a decade. Okay, yeah. So there was yeah. there was the the whole time of war that was happening in and around the monastery, and the villages on the outside were totally devastated. So he's hearing all this bad news, and Xavier's like, "Well, what is my purpose now? Like, I thought that I completed my life's goals." And right, his grandmaster's like, "It seems that there is more for you to do. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're you're the one that's going to carry our." way of life into these other universes because that's where these bad guys have gone. They came, ranched all of us, and they moved on. Right, right. So they're like, he's like, this is where they're going next. And he gave him a bead to put into his amulet that gave him the power to pretty much interdimensionally travel. Sure. Yeah, it yeah, was their yeah. last great wisdom that all of the grandmasters had developed, but they had never tried it themselves. Yeah. They knew Xavion could take it because of his tattoos. So if there was any physical stress or 
any overwhelmingness his body could handle. Be able to handle that, yeah. So that's when he moved on from GURPS into D and D Second Edition. Nice. I picture it kind of as like a quantum leap thing because he's not the same, right? When he bounces somewhere else. Yep. So very easy then to find him in a game as an NPC somewhere. I had never thought about this idea though. This is such a yeah, cool right? idea. I'd never thought about that. Where like where do you think he would fit? I don't know. Here, let me hit you with a question, or for Josh too, actually. Pick, pick a setting, and tell me like a, so like a, when I say setting, like a fantasy or sci-fi, because sure. he's actually been in Shadowrun too. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's been in Shadowrun as a street shaman, and it was awesome. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, pick a setting, and then give me like the current state of that world, and I'll tell you probably best where he would fit. Eberron. Yeah, I think that's. So we're our next game that we're getting ready to kick off in our campaign um, is going to be in Eberron. Hell yeah! So it's a setting like this is after the war. Okay, right. Oh. So uh, all like all of the nations have come together and signed a treaty after one of the nations, Siri, was completely destroyed. Nobody knows how. It's just called the Mornland now, and nobody survives going into it. But the rest of the nations have come together, and they're like, "All right, we probably shouldn't be fighting anymore. Things got a little out of hand, you know." <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that'd be a place like. There's a there's a nation of just nothing but monsters that is you know been like hey you guys were busy so we claim this land oh, this shit. is ours now right <laughs> that's not good yeah right but they're, <laughs> well, they actually hold it together real well, yeah, well that's enough. the thing yeah that's the one thing in Eberron just because they are the monster races doesn't mean they're not like fairly civilized right yeah. like they have really tried to adapt to like you know a fairly progressive culture yeah so I mean that's that's what we love about the Eberron setting is that th- everything is not just generically good or evil right. which i think a character like this would be really cool That's to fit thinking, into yeah. as somebody who is constantly seeking the balance between the two right, right. so the other nations that are kind of left um you know breland and austere like they're uh, there's kind of they're more of the like the your traditional idea of of a nation but there's also like magic and everything right so right. it's a very like heavy magic kind of setting like they have like the lightning rail it is just what you're thinking it is okay. a train oh hell yeah that goes across, <laughs> that's powered by you know the dragon charges or magical stones and stuff they have so cool that's the kind that? of setting that it is a high magic setting just came out of a well the entire continent was at war um so yeah what kind of like where would you fit in there like because there's still stuff going on of right? course like, yeah the war has ended which was everybody's big problem but post-war is sometimes more rough right. than the war. Right. right. Um, I think in that setting, he would have tried, if he had just popped in and that was the, you know, that was the current state of the world, um, he would probably, he's always looking a place to develop a monastery okay. at first. Because that's, this only idea of home to him is a monastery. Because that's where he was raised in, you know, people actually caring about him as right, opposed right. to the, the, the scientist. Um, so he would try to develop some small monastery somewhere if he could but then the monastery is also kind of like his base of operation sure like or at least where when he's not with a party where he's going to be at most at peace and able to think about the next moves right um so he would develop a monastery but then he would probably go around trying to figure out for himself you know where who were who were the good guys who were the bad guys right yeah and try to make sense of what the outcome was regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but with his monastery, I guess, like, if your players had interacted with him, he would be someone to give guidance to or to be a temporary party member um, to lead them through something spiritually heavy. Yeah, I got So that. something very that's, like, 
magic is here because that's one of his sayings is that you know magic is the organism's way to develop through spirituality so nice everything is always spiritual to him even if you're casting fireballs out of your hand sure sure yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. he's like there's some gods that are making that appear right you know right, to yeah, you. Yeah. so he would help the the party as a spiritual guide or a temporary um party member to lead them through something where nobody's individual specialty in the party is working Right, right. I can see that. So would you put, would you say he would look to develop his monastery somewhere more like rural or like an urban environment? He, he, because he's done this before. So this was in Shadowrun. Okay, yeah. Where he made a tattoo parlor that was the, like the cover for the monastery. Because in that Shadowrun world, all the religion was bad. So his cover was the tattoo parlor and he had the monastery underground. So in an urban environment is where I think you would find him the most. It'd be like going to New York and getting okay. like a uh, a book from one of those random monks that's walking around. Right, and right, yeah, that yeah. They're fake, but they're actually monasteries like right there. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it'd be, I think it'd be one of those. The party would stumble upon him in a metropolitan area and he would stand out because of his clothing. Yeah, and then, I like that. Then it would be like, oh, well, you had to see him because his clothes are so different. And to Xavion, that's spiritual guidance moving through the world the world I even like though that. he's wearing yellow red and orange robes <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i could you i could definitely see him in sharn yeah so i i think i might so i haven't finished my backstory for my character yet okay um um he's a halfling uh there is a tribe of halflings called from the talenta plains uh they are known as being dinosaur tamers oh shit they literally <laughs> they're a nomadic tribe they ride around on dinosaurs the whole nine yards that's rad. um but a lot of halflings have also moved to like the city and become more like civilized type um so he is kind of riding the line between because he's an artificer so eventually once we get there he's going to have a dinosaur but it's going to be one he built that's so yeah. cool. It's like the Megazords or something. Right, like exactly. Power Rangers. Yes. That's so what, what I picture, um, so I haven't finished his backstory because I've been trying to figure out how he made the switch from like being in this nomadic tribe to like picking up these artificer skills. Yeah. And I picture it would probably be something that would be difficult for him. It would need some sort of spiritual guidance. So I don't know. We might we might work him into his backstory where maybe he meets him um, somewhere in Sharn. And uh, is able to kind of help him walk through those things. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Hey, Preston, thanks again. Um, I love the backstory. I love the character. I think it fits great as that like spiritual guide that kind of pops in to, you know, direct the party. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, So there you go, guys. That is Xavion of the Four Winds. If you have a monastery in need of a leader or a wayward party in need of some, some direction, this is a great NPC to throw in there. Hell yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at the Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table.